0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Deserved a goal, that. Love the return pass. Just wide.
1: On the ball on BFM 89.9.
0: Hello, it's On the Ball with your new host, Cam Ruslan. And today we have a packed show and our two pundits, two pundits, you heard me right, are uh, Bob Holmes.
2: Hi everybody, and I would just like to say that this is an unusually interesting international break. This is this is the nitty gritty of qualifying for the World Cup, and we've got a massive shock.
0: Yeah, it is, it is, isn't it? It feels almost like a, a, a final round of matches in the Premier League, where some teams are going to go down, kind of thing. Um, and and we have Gogolin.
1: Hi everyone. Hi everyone. And since Bob has given the teaser all, we would beat to bread to find out what happened.
0: <laughs> because, yes, because we're going to be talking the international week with the World Cup qualifiers. Later on, we'll be talking about the Chelsea bids, the Euros bids, and also the search for the new Manchester United manager. But we begin with possibly one of the biggest upsets in international history, although this qualifying thing is a brand new style. Italy nil. North Macedonia won, which means that because it's an instant uh, knockout round, Italy will not be going to the World Cup for the second World Cup in a row. And during this match, just to, just to give an idea of, of how much of an upset it was, Italy had 66% possession, 32 shots, five of which were on target, and 16 corners against none. And uh, North Macedonia on the other hand, four shots, two on target, one was a goal. So, Bob, what did you make of this?
2: <laughs> tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Uh, it just shows what a cruel game football is, doesn't it? Um, I mean, it's people say that uh, you know it shouldn't be like this. You get new people coming into own clubs. You watch a game like this, and if if they would, if they just paid a lot of money to buy Italy or something. They'd want their money back. I mean, it's so unfair, isn't it? On paper, if it was boxing, the referee would have stopped the fight in about the third round. But that is football. This is the beauty of it. I mean, it was the Alamo for 90 minutes. And then North Macedonia go down one of their few raids and they go and score from distance. And there was no time for Italy to get back into it and the consequences were were just unthinkable. Uh, For uh, Mancini, he reminded me a bit of when Manchester City were uh, playing QPR in the famous game, the Aguero game. They won the league uh, for the first time under the new regime. And Mancini uh, seemed to be coming apart on the touchline, his face was just he lived every second of it. The guy went through torture. This time he he looked a little bit more composed. At least you know he wasn't taking his scarf off and tie and all that. But his face told the story. Now he's gone from being European champion to not even qualifying for the World Cup in what seven or eight months,
0: yeah, less yeah. well under a year. Yeah. In-
2: uh, what a fall! What a fall! You, you think he will resign, or what? I don't know. What do you think, Gogs?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, Gogolin, I want to ask you because you're the one person I know who uh, who dresses like an Italian. Um, I you dress very well, and uh, but yeah, I mean, North Macedonia. We shouldn't really be surprised. They put in, they were pretty good at the, the Euros, and but I know that they lost fair and square, Italy. But do we miss? Are we going to miss them? I mean, should we,
1: uh, you know, the World Cup without Italy? Of course, what is a World Cup without Italy? We, we, this is the second in a row and like, it's inexcusable to be European champions and the football they played during the Euros was actually glorious to watch. This is not the, this is not the Catenaccio of the past of the Italy at Azuri, you know? This is the Italy that we like to see playing football. And I really, really shocked at the scoreline when I woke up this morning and saw that and I was like, what? North Macedonia really, like bobs it, hung on and which is what do you expect from a team like North Macedonia against the European champions. But come on, this Italy is, should have just put this to bed in the first half. Actually, you know, even with the sixty-six percent, and you know, you look at the average, uh, look at the stats. Out of four at, uh, shots, two on target. Is it what Macedonia fifty percent, right? So, That's you know.
0: very efficient. Hey. And it was such a speculative goal. I mean, it it was. I was a good goal, I suppose. But you kind of felt like it, it was a clearance from the goalkeeper, one header down, a couple of touches from a striker from distance. And it goes; it just dribbled in.
1: Exactly, it's just, it's just a speculative shot, that, that which what which is what you, do, you have to take when you are like North Macedonia against a team like Italy. And this is the injury time effort. And for, I think their heads just dropped after that. Like Bob said, you know, there's no time to come back. And I don't think Mancini should go because what he's done in the Italian team is, you know, the way they've come up with the Euros, the football they've played is what is what is, I'm talking about. You know, this like again, I have to mention this. This is not the Italy World. Last time, you know, every time Italy come onto the World Cup they just played the Katanacho brand of football, which is just defend, 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 right? And it was boring to a point. They had great players. They had the Rossies, they had the Bagios, but they were never playing uh, beautiful football. Even Well, to be fair, England never played beautiful football also, but that's another story.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why you, what? <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the other the other um, match in, in this path so that the winner of these two matches would be playing each other. And so North Macedonia will be playing Turkey because... Sorry, Turkey, what am I saying? Will be playing Portugal because Portugal beat Turkey 3-1. And it was two first-half goals from Portugal. But again, there was some hanging on going on uh, with Turkey perhaps getting into the game again. Bob, uh, Portugal, in a way, this is perhaps one of the best Portuguese lineups for a long time.
2: Yeah, uh they were indeed hanging on a bit. Uh more than a bit. Uh there was panic in the faces of uh, Ronaldo and uh colleagues when um the penalty was being uh, discussed when VAR were looking at the penalty which should have brought um uh Portugal level uh turkey Turkey level with portugal Um, and they would have had the momentum had uh yilmaz scored uh he scored in open play and he's a renowned penalty taker experienced old head and the sort of guy you would want to take a clutch penalty like that in the in the dying minutes but he blazed it over the bar which seems to be the way these crucial penalties are missed, doesn't it? Think of Kepa in the Carabao Cup. Think of Baggio in the in the World Cup. Um, I don't know what happens. It must be anxiety. But he absolutely placed it well over the bar. He didn't scrape the bars well over. And um, Portugal went down and made it 3-1. I, the scoreline looks a lot more comfortable than it was, definitely. but. I think Portugal overall probably deserved to win, but they did have some anxious moments. And uh, Turkey are enjoying a bit of a renaissance um, of late. Of course, they had an absolute shocker at the um, at the Euros last year, but they've uh, they've done okay um, to get into these uh, playoffs. Um, just just going back to Italy a bit, as he's still on this path. Italy actually blew it by coming second in their group they drew four games they were not beaten at all but they dropped points by drawing four games they won the other four and they allowed Switzerland to uh, walk away with the automatic place so um, that's where that came from and that uh, we were all building up for a classic um, playoff decider between Italy and Portugal and it's not to be but if I don't think Portugal will be underestimating North Macedonia. No, no. After after what's happened,
0: exactly. So uh, Portugal will be playing North Macedonia. Uh, Gogland, do you do you, do you rate this Portugal lineup? Um, this this is absolutely Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo's last major competition.
1: No, I, I think they're rebuilding towards an era without Ronaldo because you know, as you said, this is a very very good Portugal side. They have really good players in every position. And they, they, this is a young Portugal side also, so I think Ronaldo is just a, he's a luxury that they, they can you do without actually. Because even if he gets injured before the Euro, I mean before the World Cup, this Portugal side will be a, will be will be a threat. The fact that they it's come to a playoff is what worries me that they took this to come get here, you know, because they have really good players in, and and like Bob said, Turkey are in a renaissance, so they were not actually any pushovers, and you know they. It was a really workman-like uh, game, a defeat for Turkey. So this Portugal side only can get better. But again, you have to understand, these playoffs are all coming up after a season and it's coming towards the end of season. Players have all been playing lots and lots of games. So that's one of the reasons why we could say that because we most of the players that are playing for their... We're going back to Italy again. And players are playing for the North macedonia team. I mean, come on, right? Which leagues are they play? Which leagues are the players from the Italian team playing in, you know, the pressure that they're on, and then the North Macedonian team. So yeah, this is one of the teams that could things that have contributed to that game.
0: Oh, so you're saying that the uh, players from smaller leagues have an advantage over players in the big leagues?
1: Yeah, well, like uh, Jurgen Klopp famously said at a press conference, right? Like, uh, how many players from Burnley get called up for the uh, for the Euro, uh, international friendlies, and how many players from, how many players from Liverpool get called up? So technically, Burnley's getting a rest there, right? Okay.
2: You yeah. know, just on, on that, just like to say that Ronaldo had a very good game. You know, he didn't score, but he was involved and he, he was sublime. He made some fabulous touches and mm. uh, which, you know, it, it wasn't needed in the end. But um, yeah, he, he was very much a part of, uh, of this side. It certainly didn't look like a passenger or anything like that.
1: No, no, I do, I don't, I do, I honestly don't think he's a passenger. This is Ronaldo, this is Portugal, and Ronaldo, right? He and Ronaldo plays to such a high standard, even though that I don't really like him. But he he sets a standard wherever he plays, and he, he it's up to his standard. If he knows that he's letting them, he will sub himself off. If he feels like he's a passenger.
0: Uh. Uh, are we talking about the same Ronaldo, Gogolin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I've ever seen the. I've never. I've never seen him put his hand up and say, "I'm not doing very well, sir." Take <laughs> me, <turn> me <laughs> off.
1: <It's> two <laughs> Ronaldo's. One that plays for United. One place for Portugal. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Um, but in a moment, though, we're going to take a break, a short break. But in a moment, we're going to talk about another player who is absolutely central to a national team. When we look at the other pathway, which includes Wales, here on. On the ball, BFM 89.9. Worth a try. And he's always prepared to give it a go.
1: On the ball on BFM 89.9.
0: And we're back on, on the ball. And we're looking at the uh, World Cup qualifiers on the path. Are we on the path B or the path A? I'm not sure. Um, and we have uh, Wales. Wales. My mother's from Wales. I should be football. I'm oh, not so much, actually. Uh, Wales 2, Austria 1. And their player Gareth Bale scored twice. One of the most sublime free kicks I've ever seen. Uh, Bob, has there ever been a player? We we're just talking about Ronaldo just now, but a player for a national team so incredibly central uh, to the moral and technical aspects of a, uh, a national team.
2: Hard to think of one at this point, isn't it? Um, I mean, uh, he scored both goals carried the team, uh, was the inspiration. And bear in mind, he played longer last night or early this morning uh, than he has all season for Real Madrid. I think he's totaled 78 minutes in four games for Real Madrid. And he played 88 and was brought off for the applause with two minutes to go. Um, Yeah, the first free kick was out of this world. And the um the, the goal he scored in open play, um that that was a good one too, wasn't it? They, he had a lot to do. And again, it was that magical left foot of his. Um, you well worth seeing on YouTube if uh, if you haven't caught the highlights. But two two absolutely, well, one world-class goal, otherworldly goal, and the other was very, very good. Um, and it was just enough. Um I mean, there's a lot riding on this. Wales have not made the World Cup final since 1958. And there was a young player called Pelé in the opposition that day who put paid to their chances. Pelé was only 18 years old at the time. And Wales were unlucky in that game, uh, unlucky to go out to Brazil, who ended up the world champions. But they've had a long wait since. In that team, they had a guy called John Charles, who's probably the greatest player Wales has produced before Gareth Bale, and, and Ivor Allchurch, who was another great player. Um, and little Wales getting to the quarterfinals of the um, of the World Cup, that was something to behold. And they, as I say, they were unlucky to lose to Brazil with Pele. And but it's taken them all this time to get this close to um, returning to the World Cup. And they've had all sorts of agonies over the years. They have found new ways to lose at the last minute in qualifying. So Wales, they won't be counting any chickens because they've still got another game to play and they don't know who that's even going to be against
0: yeah we have to remember despite all the celebrations at the end in cardiff uh, there is one more to go and it could either be scotland or um it could be poland is that right um, ukraine. ukraine ukraine sorry it's either scotland or ukraine yeah, that, that that being postponed being postponed a hey, uh Golan, you know it was uh, it was ultimately a victory for wales but it was actually quite close going and and i was thinking how you know whenever people uh, they set up international friendlies they and as a preparation to a world cup they know what their group stage matches are they, so they choose the country that's next door to the country that they're going to be playing thinking oh they must be similar but in the case of wales wales and england are completely different in the way they play football uh wales just absolute seat of pants uh just crazy and really quite exciting sometimes
1: I agree completely, but what was the question, though? <laughs> uh, well,
0: you know, do you think Wales can get through? And if they do get through, could they get far in a competition like the World Cup?
1: Uh, I, well, I, I think they can get through. Yes, I, I believe that with Gareth Bale pulling the strings in this team, let alone they will get through. But uh, getting far is another, another story. Uh, the World Cup is the playing in the World Cup is what Wales should try for. You know, getting out of the group is a bonus. So I don't think they'll go that far. But yes, it'll be, it'll be a great flip for the country, for their supporters, if they can make it to the World Cup. And especially as a crowning glory for Garrett Bale, you know, who needs to be play- Players like Bale need to be in the World Cup.
0: Well, yeah, um, because the World Cup has been expanded now. I think it's, uh, a, a quick look at notes, I think it's uh, 132 nations <laughs> now in <laughs> the World Cup. 600, 600. Well, in- 600. More, in fact, that there are nations on earth.
2: Infantina would like 132. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and uh as opposed to back in 58 how many teams were in the world cup then
2: 58 they were well it would be probably um, 16 yeah probably six, six, 16 16, yeah. Yeah. 16. Mean, 16
0: teams mm. and it's now double it's double more than double that, actually. Yeah. More than that yeah so that allows for the likes of gareth bell to to be seen at the world cup but
1: uh no, but, but, but I'm just going to stop you there. There's a, so not, there's another point of contention that is now making its round and has been making its round that says the quality is no more at the World Cup. The quality is the Champions League, where you yeah. see the highest quality of football is being played at the knockout stages of the Champions League. And it has, has superseded the World Cup as where the highest quality of football was being played.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would agree with that. But what I love about international football is that you you can get – the absolute majesty of a player like Gareth Bale scoring the kind of goals that he scored, plus the cl- calamitous kind of like uh, League One kind of uh, play at, at one and the same time. Whereas, you know, in Champions League, it's all ironed out and it's all a bit, it's a bit sterile. The quality is so high.
1: No, you still have your, but I get your point. Yes, you have it all rolled into one in, in that whole uh, one month period. Hmm.
2: Well, let's not forget that Wales got to the semi-finals of the Euros um not too long ago. Uh they beat Belgium in, 2016, the, right? in the quarterfinals. Uh twenty sixteen, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and they were deservedly there. Yeah. They were absolutely magnificent. Uh well let's let's take a quick look at a, a match that sort of has sort of hasn't happened. There was a friendly between uh Scotland and Poland. These are two teams which are well, so Russia has been banished by FIFA from international football. So therefore, Poland have got a walkover. So Poland, Poland is straight into the final of these playoffs. Scotland has to meet Ukraine at some point, as yet to be determined. So there was an international friendly. Scotland won, Poland won with a goal, um, a penalty, I think, at the, the very last moment that denied Scotland a chance of victory. And Bob, have you been keeping an eye on this uh, new resurgent Scotland?
2: Uh, yes, I have. Um, they would have been seven wins in a row if, uh, but for that uh, equaliser. Um, but so it's seven games without defeat. Uh, now that's quite something. Uh, they're really on a roll, and they will be. Uh, I, I think they'll be dangerous opponents for uh, Wales, uh, assuming they they get through. There is the possibility, uh, very unsatisfactory, though this may this is, but they could be given a bye. Um, because you can't really see Ukraine being able to turn out a, a recognizable team, can you, in the foreseeable future? I mean, quite a lot of their players are playing outside of Ukraine. I mean, we know in the Premier League, there's a couple, uh, Zinchenko from Man City, and Yamalenko in uh, West, Ham. West Ham and Everton have got one as well, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I think they could rustle up a uh, a side, but it might not necessarily be their strongest. And given the circumstances, it's it's asking a lot, isn't it, for them to um, to even compete? Uh, they may just bow out. I'm, I'm not sure. It's a difficult one to handle. But there's no rush. Uh, The Scotland-Ukraine game is tentatively scheduled for June. A lot can happen in a war between now and June. So um, we'll see. But don't rule out the possibility of uh, of Scotland being given a bye. And then, then uh, I mean, as it is anyway, I think there's a good chance that Scotland could beat Ukraine. And um, so it it could well be a Scotland-Wales decider.
0: I don't know. If Ukraine goes on the pitch and, you know, the kind of emotional high, if that's the right word, they'd be on. They'd be, they would be, I wouldn't want to play them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it won't be at home, will it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be a, a neutral ground and emotional high when gets you so far.
0: Well, yeah. So, Gogolin, uh, uh, I mean, OK, so we've got the possibility of Wales, Well, we don't definitely Wales are in the, the playoffs. In the final, rather. And the possibility of either Scotland or Ukraine. Who do you who would you see progressing ultimately through from from those three?
1: Well, if it was it was more than without for the war and everything, I would say Ukraine would be the best bet to, you know, qualify with the players they have and the pedigree that they have. But with this war and like what Bob was just mentioning, they're all bets off. And I don't even think they are going to be able to produce a team. Half of them are fighting in the war. Other half are playing in Europe, right? So for them to put out a team, like again, Bob said, June is quite some time away. We don't know what's going to happen. But realistically, looking at it, I think Scotland's got to buy in the World Cup and rightly so. You you, you cannot expect a team to be putting out a football team during a time like this.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, watch this space. Uh, well, we'll come back to this, obviously, to find out what's happening. Uh, just to quickly mention Sweden won Czech Republic nil after extra time, so Sweden are also through. I just want to say Sweden, I think of the the top ten most boring matches I've ever seen, I think Sweden have been in five of them. <laughs> um, but then having said that, England were in ten of them. So, uh, but but this is a bit of a new look uh, Sweden, actually. Some really good players coming through it.
2: Uh, they'll have uh, Zlatan uh, Ibrahimović available uh, as well. He was suspended for this game. And um, he uh, you know he's made his peace with the Swedish FA. Well, he did that a year or two ago. But, of course, he'd been missing for a long chunk of his career. But he's now resuming international football. And he's the kind of guy in a big game... Uh, when it matters you know pop up with a vital goal um he was there on the sidelines last night looking very very pleased with the chance to have another shot at the world cup so uh, and yeah they have elanga uh, who's been a, uh, a bit of a revelation for manchester united this season one of their few bright sparks. Um, so Sweden, yeah, maybe a little less boring for you.
1: Yeah, Elenga came on for Emil Forsberg. Graham.
0: Emil Forsberg. I saw him at the Euros and I thought he was very good. Um, OK, we're going to take a break and in a moment we will we'll continue looking at the, the World Cup, but uh, first uh, through the Asian qualifiers and then the World Cup as a whole. Here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. What
2: about clearance off the line how important did that turn out to be in the end
1: on the ball on bfm
0: 89.9 and we're back on on the ball with myself cam Raslan Gogolin, and bob holmes and now Gogolin. asian qualifiers a uh, bit of a shock well is it a shock not a shock really uh the socceroos australia have been really suffering desperately rather uh, recently they lost uh, by two goals against Japan, they're now in the playoffs, either against a North or Central American team. I'm surprised it's not against Uruguay, because I mean,
1: yeah, those days, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, just quali- quali- playoffs just always seem to be against Uruguay.
1: Yeah, they played Argentina once, man. Remember
0: that there was that oh, one time, famously. Yeah, yeah,
1: it yeah. <laughs> was the skin of the teeth. Argentina were not going to qualify for the world. Which World Cup was that? The 2010, I think, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, the, the sorry thing is that they they all kind of roll into one. After all. Yeah. It's if it's not black and white it it's, so therefore 1970 onwards they all become a little bit one like. Um so they are going to be in the playoffs and just to say that the the Asian teams that have qualified are uh South Korea, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Iran. And well I guess the one team missing from that is Australia. So uh Guglen, have you uh have you been keeping an eye not just on Australia, but Japan and South Korea?,
1: oh, well, uh, to be fair, you know Australia uh, they, they didn't expect uh, Japan was just to totally steamroll past them. I mean, this, Australia is, I think in rebuilding mode at the moment. So they have a lot, a lot to do. And this World Cup is a, 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 I think just a bit too near for them to qualify at this moment because they, this is they're going to a transitional stage. A lot of new players are coming in. there's a, the golden generation just their golden generation just retired. So this is the new side, new players that are coming in. And uh, this the, the, some way to go for your Australia to be back again, the powerhouse that they were before.
0: Hmm. And, uh, of course, they used to play with in Oceania, which, in retrospect, they, they might want to still be in Oceania.
2: Well, it's ironic, isn't it, that they left Oceania to join the Asian um, Confederation to enhance their chances of qualifying um, and a- avoid the game against Uruguay. Um, the, you know, the, the, uh, every four years traipsing across to Uruguay. And, uh, and now, after, after this, it looks like they're going to have to do uh, the same thing again. So they really are back to square, square one uh, from the Asian group. This is the way it's worked out. And you wouldn't you wouldn't bet on them because um Australians have always found it difficult to score goals, even when they had a, a decent side. Uh remember the Mark Viduca, Harry Kewell generation? That was probably the best team they ever had. And they were unlucky to lose to Italy in one in, 2006, wasn't it? Yeah, in Germany. Yeah, robbed, I think is the word. (laughs) Um, That was the best team they ever had.
1: And Italy went on to win the World Cup then.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, they're they're not a patch on that now. And um, I wouldn't put a lot of money on them qualifying, frankly.
0: But of South Korea, Japan... Uh, Saudi Arabia, they always kind of qualify. And then and then I remember once they qualified, and then in the first opening match against Germany, they got beat 10-0, wasn't it? Um, some incredible number. And it's like, why are you there? Uh, whereas South Korea and Japan usually uh, put on a pretty good display. I mean, I think that they...
1: Well, South Korea, South Korea and Iran have qualified. So now UAE is going on to the next stage of qualifying. But South Korea. I mean, again, the quality of players. The World Cup has always been a platform for players to play and teams to teams like South Korea, who at one point, Malaysia on Paraguay, and now we are there. They are they are perennial uh, World Cup uh, team, right? yeah. Uh, yeah, qualifiers. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is the so the next step is obviously to play at a level where they can get out of the group and all that. You know, this is where the African teams were at one point, and now the Asian teams have aspired to be that. It's again the gulf of quality, which is slowly the technology transfer is happening in this part of the world. More coaches are coming in from Europe and Africa and, you know, all these places. And the the technology transfer is being slowly. And you will see teams like South Korea finally get out of the group.
0: Yeah. Well, let's have a look at some of the teams that have definitely qualified. There are still going to be a lot of playoffs um, spots. We won't talk about those because they're up in the air. But these are the teams from Europe. I'm going to list them out. The teams from Europe are from groups A down to whichever the last alphabet is that have definitely qualified first. Serbia, Spain, Switzerland, France, Belgium, Denmark, Netherlands, Croatia, England, Germany. Uh, it's quite a good uh, European roster there. Bob, um, which team is England going to have to beat in the final? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds like you're going to be in for some more boring games, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> England in the uh, well, actually, we have to get used to the idea that in the last two major tournaments, England have been in the in the uh, semi-final and followed in that final. by the final. So, the, <laughs> so it, there's one step up to be made, isn't there? Um, I don't know whether they can do it. Um, yeah, one I step mean, up is
1: not get out of the group.
2: No, I mean there isn't an absolutely uh outstanding uh country at the moment. The uh, the one that you can definitely say is number 1 in the world is there. I don't think you know you you you've got probably four or five bunched together. I mean even Brazil are not uh vintage Brazil, Argentina nowhere near vintage. Um and then you've got Germany to some extent rebuilding. Uh, Belgium, the Golden Generation, hanging on, hanging on, aren't they? Surely this is this is too late for the for the uh, old boys of the Belgian side. Um, I would I would think we said that about Euros and they they didn't make it, but they're still there. Same players, um, no outstanding side. I think Spain are rebuilding. I think they've. Uh, I I would take them very seriously. I'd make them among the favourites. And actually England, to be fair. I mean, with that record, recent record under Gareth Southgate and with a young side, uh, a young side with experience, um, if only Southgate just took the handbrake off a little bit more and let some of these guys really play, I think he's too cautious but i'd say england will one of the uh, have to be one of the favorites.
0: Yeah. Well, I do it. I'm going to do a bit more uh, I would like to do a bit more England talk uh, in a moment, but go let me just finish off the list and then we'll see if you can spot what you think would be the uh, the ultimate winner. Brazil and Argentina are also through and in North America surprise surprise Canada have been uh, have shown themselves to be very strong and the USA i think are going to be uh, having to play the match of their lives to try and qualify through qualifiers. Uh, so of these ones that I've mentioned I mean France on paper France surely they have they have what it takes to just destroy everybody
1: On paper yes they have a really great squad but if you ask me from the list that you just mentioned I would always go with Argentina they you know teams like Argentina Brazil are world cup teams playing in a world cup is totally different you might have the players but the mental pressure of playing in a world cup during a knockout game especially when you go down to the knockout stages is uh, something else. And, you know, managers uh, really need to condition their players. And players have been brought up with this kind of uh, pressure that throughout the years and all that. So th- this is why I said when the England always went to, the the pressure from the media itself does not help. You know, that outside pressure of, you know, you're suddenly in the World Cup semifinals or you're in the World Cup quarterfinals, you know, you, you, you're one step away. And, you know, it just builds and builds and builds and it adds on to the pressure of the players. Not every team can uh, do, uh, handle that pressure. And teams like the, the Latin American teams, especially like Brazil and Argentina, they handled this pressure very well. I remember
0: one World Cup, and it was a uh, South Africa, I think, when Uruguay. We mentioned Uruguay a few times. They were really open about inviting people, just regular people, to come visit the camp and have barbecues. and And they did very well that that uh, year. They they were quite relaxed. Anyway, <laughs> we'll do more, more England talk later. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so some of the teams um, are still in qualifiers, and so the, the, the eventual winner could be from anywhere. But actually, do you think it's going to be from anywhere? Uh, quickly, Bob, do you think we're going to see one of the traditional teams winning this World Cup? And I'll ask the same of you, Goughlin?
2: Uh, Afraid so, yeah. Uh, there are precious few uh, countries that have won the World Cup. I mean, this will be the 22nd edition of the World Cup finals, and there's only, I think, seven or eight countries That have ever won it. Um, Pele famously predicted an African country would win it uh, by 2000 or something. I think he said. Well, they still haven't.
0: Colombia, he said. Colombia still
2: haven't. And uh, the closest they got was uh, Ghana being cheated out of it by Luis Suarez. Uh, Remember that the hand, the handball. Otherwise, that was the quarterfinal, wasn't it? I think that was a quarterfinal or semi-final.
0: And Ghana in, were magnificent in, up to that point.
2: In South Africa, if I remember rightly, um, yeah, it would have been Suarez Suarez time. Um, so, but Africa, I mean, despite producing individual players, um, they haven't got a country that has enough of them to really make a strong case for saying an African nation will win. Not yet, anyway. I mean, you've got Mo Salah. They're all scattered, aren't they? I mean, they could they could produce a, a great team. And, uh, you know, if there was a uh, competition a continent. between continents, yeah. Africa Africa would be one of the strongest, probably almost favourites.
0: Probably, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you think about it, you know, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane. I mean, they're, but they're playing against each other. That's an interesting one. Senegal and Egypt are meeting again only a few weeks after they met in the AFCON final uh, to qualify for the World Cup. One of them is going to be out. So uh, there, there's another world-class player that's going to be missing, more than one world-class player. Senegal, i have got several. Um, so uh, getting back to the question, yeah, I'm I'm afraid, yeah, you would say Argentina, Brazil, France, Spain. Germany, England, as as the favourites, you can't really get around that.
0: Gogolin, are you are you uh, in agreement there, or can you yeah. spot you know Canada?
1: <laughs> unfortunately, don't I, laugh.
0: They are pretty good actually.
1: Unfortunately, I am in agreement with Bobby. I don't see the Big Boys Club being expanded at this point of time. I think uh, when uh, what the FIFA president famously said that uh, what Africa, an African nation will win the cup in what five years? When was that? It was so. Uh, well, a long Blatter. time ago. Was it St. Blatter? St. Blatter, St.
2: Blatter, like,
1: yeah. You know, he said that and at that time, you know, the Cameroons and all that were really, really putting their mark on and then everything just fizzled out, you know. Remember when Cameroon and uh, Roger Miller and Thomas Nkuno and, and all had that golden generation?
0: 1990, that was yeah, so great.
1: Everybody thought that, you know, the next step would be that an African nation is going to really come up and, you know, and it just fell off a cliff. I don't see an African nation right now even Nigeria, you know, the Eagles, they were really flying at that time. All the Cameroon, Nigeria, all were really big teams. Now I don't see African nation coming up. And like Bob said, they all are, they have great players, yes, but they all individual players in individual teams.
0: Okay, so it's uh, status quo for, for, for our two pundits. And uh, in a moment, though, we're going to talk, I think, a little bit more detail about the eventual winners of the World Cup, England, here on On the Ball, BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine had a fine goal.
1: On the Ball on BFM
0: 89.9. And we're back in the final part of On the Ball here on BFM 89.9. And, Bob, I want to ask you first, because uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, England A bit more in detail, because you know, on this show we do concentrate on the Premier League, and so we do think about English players a lot more than than others. And and Bob, you were there, you were there in Wembley Stadium in 1966 when uh, England lifted the World Cup for the one and only time. And are you going to be witnessing England lifting a World Cup again this year? (laughs) This year or next year?
2: Um, this year. This year. Uh, somehow I don't think so. I I'd like, uh, obviously like to think so. I won't be going by the way. Um, but, um, I, I mean, I've said that they've got a good chance on paper. They, they do have a decent team. Um, but they're just a little bit too cautious for my liking. Um, and I think they they blew their golden chance, um, in the Euros to to win an, another trophy. I mean, when you you are playing at home, the virtu- virtually the whole tournament had been at home. Only one game was away in Rome. Uh, you got the crowd behind you, and you one nil up from the first move of the game. Luke Shaw's goal, remember, and you don't win it. Um, and Italy were were really there for the taking in those first twenty minutes. And they couldn't believe that they were let off the hook. I mean, this has come out in players' comments later after the game. Several have said that they they really were surprised that they didn't go 2-0 down. And that virtually would have been that. So I think that Southgate, although he has done a wonderful job in many respects, especially blooding young players, it has got great harmony. Uh, it's a very ethnic team. Uh, he's a young, modern manager politically correct I think that counts for something with these guys Um, they know it doesn't matter what color they are or where they're from you know they're going to be treated equally and I don't think we've always been able to say that but you can now Um, a lot are from London the working class backgrounds London has become South London in particular a hotbed I mean your Jaden Sancho's Hudson These guys uh, learned the game in the uh, back streets of of, uh, South London. And, uh, you know, they've become brilliant players. Uh, Yeah, I think the material is there. If Southgate just takes the handbrake off a little bit, I think they could do it in the absence of a really outstanding other team. On paper, France, I think, would be the best on paper but we've seen they they blew it in the Euros and they do have a tendency to blow it on occasions.
0: Hmm. Gogolin, are you in agreement there with uh, Bob? I mean, this is a very, it's actually quite a young team and I don't think that they carry the weight of memory uh, that the previous squads have. They don't remember Well, they—I'm going to say—they don't remember failed penalty shootouts, but they—they heard about. I think they will actually.
1: (laughs) Now, now they will. Yeah, now they will. (laughs) No, you're right. This is a. This is. I mean, on paper again, like we we keep saying that word. This team is really, really exciting. Team they have. England has one of the youngest squads. I mean, a lot of teams would give their left arm to have a, a squad like England's. The biggest problem they have is their manager. Garrett Southgate is the wrong manager for this England squad. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, felt it at the Euros and I failed it all the time. When he had a player like Jack Grealish and you don't un- unleash a player like Jack Grealish on an unspec- unsuspecting teams. What is the point of having a player like Jack Grealish? You know, taking the handbrake off is being polite to uh, Garrett Southgate. He is completely out of his depth in you know, being uh, with, his team, with a team like this. This team needs a really professional manager who really harnesses the talents of all their, all the players. That they have and each player is an individual talent and these are young exciting players you are not going to get this kind of players coming up in the next 20 years this is the golden generation that needs to be nurtured and with the right manager they will go on to rule the world football for a while well who who, who is that right manager you got to get a young a- attacking manager players with I, I, garrett southgate doesn't have a philosophy his philosophy is based on the players that he has he keeps he, he keeps second guessing himself he keeps taking. He get, he gets uh, told out, told off by the media. You can You need to have a strong personality as a manager. You need to have a players like manager like Klopp, like Guardiola, that kind of mall Where you know you have your team, you have a philosophy, and then you play to that.
0: Yeah, but Klopp and Guardiola, they have the opportunity to to buy the kind of player that works for them and for the system that they've imagined. Whereas, in international football, you don't have that luxury. You've got to take the players that are available.
1: Yeah, and you, well, you you would say that you cannot buy players the luxury, but you have the luxury of choosing a lot of different players who can suit your uh,
0: philosophy. And the philosophy is don't lose, isn't it? First of all, don't lose.
1: lose, But, you know, I'm not saying win in a spectacular version, but when you go to a knockout tournament, a completely game, England will always qualify for it because of the talent that they have. And qualification is a completely different game. When you go to a knockout stages, when a World Cup comes in, it's different it's not even a world cup a, world, a knockout tournament you know euros world cup it's completely different a ball game
2: i think you've been a bit harsh on southgate uh, uh, Gogs. i mean uh, he has been in a final and a semi final in the last two major tournaments and he picked... No, no, no.
1: Yes, yes, but not because of him, but because of the players yes Any manager could put put this team through to the final to win.
2: I I don't think you can say that uh, with all that much confidence. I think uh, perhaps now there's an argument for the next level, you know, the next step. Uh, If something happened to Southgate and we were looking for somebody to take over, then okay, I can see where you're coming from. But what he's done, uh, don't forget, he was the under-21 manager, and he's brought these guys along with him and blooded them into the first team, into the senior team, Then they've, they've carried on with him. And they'll they, uh, they all play for him. They do play for him. And I think he's uh, he's done fine. His man management, I think, is fine. It's just that he, he's a little too cautious. And I think I go back to the point of being 1-0 up after Luke Shaw's goal at home at Wembley. Never have a better chance of winning a trophy, will you? With Italy looking out of sorts. I mean, they regrouped. I mean, Italy deserved, I think, to win in the end. But they, um, they were out of sorts in the first half, the first 20, 25 minutes. But England allowed them to regroup and fight back. And even though the goal was a bit scrappy, there was a certain inevitability about Italy equalizing, wasn't there, in the second half. Um, so I would criticize Southgate for that. But I think you've got to give the man some credit for getting this far, because I, I don't think these players, some of these players would not have played for other managers um, I think that they've, they've given Southgate 100% backing and not every manager can say that about a squad of international players. Remember the days of cliques in the England dressing room and all that? Those days are over. These players get on now.
0: Yeah, but can I, can I, can I ask uh, Goglin then uh, one final question regarding England? You know, uh, Bob was talking about the bad old days and I remember uh, David Beckham's metatarsal uh break, and everybody was like was watching the newspapers on a hour by hour thing. how it has it healed yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. because there was a sense that that one player, the absence of a one player, would destroy their chances. I don't think there's a single player now in England on which um all hopes depend
1: yeah, I agree, completely agree and this that's my argument. They have a great squad, they have talent in every uh, part of the field. It's just that, okay, maybe, yes, I give it. Salgate is a great manager, but he's tactically naive for a team like this.
0: Mm. Okay. So, uh, so Gogolin thinks that England will lose in the final. Um, and so, so does Bob, for that matter. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I don't know whether Bob <laughs> thinks he's going to make it to the final. I don't. <laughs>
0: You don't uh, we're, I don't think they're going to
2: make it there. Could could go back to the old uh, quarterfinal days, you know, lose on penalties in the
0: quarterfinal. The old Ericsson days, yeah. Could be, yeah. yeah you, you knew where you were in those uh, days. No <laughs> <more> um, level. <laughs> yeah. So, very quickly then, very quickly, top of your heads, both of you. Uh, Bob, who's going to win the World Cup?
2: I'd go for Spain.
0: And Goglan, Argentina. Ooh, that's a, ooh, that's a big one. Okay, that's a big one. And. Uh, we're we going to move on though, and very quickly, because we're really uh, getting closely running out of time here. Uh, I've got a couple more um, uh, questions I want to ask about uh, other issues. Bob, could you tell us uh, what is the situation with the Chelsea bids? The South South, uh, sorry, Saudi Arabian bid, I believe, has pulled out.
2: Uh, well, I think they were uh, blocked or relegated or weren't up to the mark for whatever reason. Could be political. Um, I don't think the government wants uh, another Saudi owner in the Premier League.
0: No, they'd be be losing their heads if they did
2: that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, it's an American bank, uh, Rain and company, who are vetting these people. And we're down to about three or four now. Um, It's a a little confusing because you've got partnerships. And you've even got the Crystal Palace owners, (coughs) excuse me, um, in a partnership um, with one group uh, who are bidding. And they are among the favorites. So what's going to happen? I mean, these guys are the major shareholders at uh, Crystal Palace. Um, I mean, they can't become major shareholders at Chelsea. So you would think that would preclude them. But yeah, I think you can have a small stake in another club, but not uh, really. I That's think I think right. so. There are
1: yeah, Arsenal. I has, think there's has, a precedent.
2: Yeah, Arsenal. Uh, Usmanov had um, Everton, Everton and, Arsenal. Everton and Arsenal. I think at the same time, but it has to be a, a, a very much a minority stake. Um, and then there's the uh, the uh, partnership with uh, Broughton and uh, Seb Coe, the boss of the um, International Athletics Federation. Olympics, yeah. Olympic Lord, 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 Lord Coe, Lord Coe, Coe. Um, uh, a big Chelsea fan. And Martin Broughton uh, is a, a Chelsea fan also, a season ticket holder. But he also was something of a hero for Liverpool. When you uh, go back to the days of Hicks and Gillette, And the court case. And when Hicks and Gillette, the cowboy owners of of Liverpool, who brought them to the brink of bankruptcy, it was Martin Broughton who was parachuted in to be chairman of Liverpool. And um, he ran rings around Hicks and Gillette and he won the case. And Liverpool survived and then um, sold to uh, the the Fenway sports group uh, that. That still own it. Um, so Broughton uh, is a pretty smart operator. I mean, he was chairman of British Airways and he's always been something of a high roller, but he's done it in football. So I think that gives him some credibility. Um, yeah. He got a lot of plaudits for the way he handled that. And uh, now he's trying to, to organize it for his for his own
0: club. Yeah, Well, whoever does get it, uh, the first job they have to do if they want to keep up Chelsea traditions is fire the manager uh, because that's <laughs> just what Chelsea does. <laughs> and speaking of which, Goglan, I want to end today by asking you a question. There's been uh, continuous talk about who will be the next Manchester United manager. Speculation here, there, and everywhere. I don't know if it's speculation so much as it's just sort of analysis, but uh, a name which I was seeing quite a bit uh, recently is... Ten Hag, yeah. Uh, so... Um, that would be kind of exciting, but that he, he is really suited more to a young team that plays his mould as opposed to inheriting a bunch of old-timers and cliques and etc.,
1: isn't it? Yes, I agree that the rot has set in at United at different levels. I mean, there's so much being going being said about the backroom staff, the cliques, the the players not playing for the manager. There's an interim manager now. And, you know, it's the players who don't even know whether they're going to be there next season. So, you know, this has to be a complete clear out. And you're looking at at least a five-year plan if United are going to even come anywhere close. To Liverpool were in this spot before, a long time ago. And they know. And it's all the it is now coming back to roost at United. They have great players, but, you know, if the players are not playing for the club, this is going to be a real problem. And you could see that, you know, their level is as such that, you know, they will not be... uh, The fact that we were all uh, maligning Jose Mourinho and now he comes out to be the most successful manager since... Uh, Alex Ferguson says a lot about what's happening at United.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so. <laughs> by by some
0: distance.
1: By some distance, exactly. So I know I, enough said. That's that's all there that needs to be said right now. Actually, come to think of it.
0: So, Gogolad, you know, you are the managing director of uh, Manchester United. Uh, who would you choose?
1: I would I would go with a, I would go with Ten Hag if he has a plan. I don't know what the interview was about, oh. and they said. They're drawing up a short liver. Pochettino, Ten Hag, and there's another player, manager, I can't remember who. Uh, three Luis, of them, right? Luis Enrique.
2: Ah, Luis, Luis Enrique. Yeah, yeah.
1: and right. uh, Enrique.
2: and Julen uh, Lopetegui, Lopetegui yeah. of uh, Sevilla.
1: Sevilla. So yeah. I would go, I would actually prefer Enrique because, you know, he he has he's come up from the Barcelona way, the academy, they have the exposure. You know, the same style of football it can be played from a different... I'm obviously an outsider speaking here, but I don't know what happened to be... Every manager who goes in there will have to sell their plan and their idea and all that. So I don't know what Ten Hag has done, but uh, the most of the players on their list are out of the Champions League right now, like Ten Hag, Pochettino. Pochettino would have been would have, would have, would have been a good uh, uh, bet for United as the beginning of the season because he would, have, yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, he would rub people up the wrong way, I think. Though, but you also have a, a Barcelona shirt on the wall behind you, so you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's yes. that's where you're coming from. Okay, well that brings us to the end of this week's show. It's a lot of internationals, but uh, exciting stuff, and um, we will uh, be back with more international results uh, on Monday. But for now, I'd like to thank Gogolin.
1: Thank you, everyone. Enjoy your weekend.
0: And Bob Holmes.
2: Uh, thank you, everyone. And uh, yes, the weekend uh, internationals uh, a little bit spicier than they usually are.
0: Mm, they are indeed. I'm um, myself, Cam Rustland, and uh, see you next time here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. He cannot win a title now. an outstanding goalkeeper, and he's been absolutely brilliant.
1: On The Ball on BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business
2: Station.